recorded live from the wayofm.org studios in the fabulous Fetter Building in Rochester, New York. Welcome to Transformation Thursday. I'm Penny Sterling, and my pronouns are she, her. And I'm Amy Stevens, and my pronouns are also she, her. In this podcast, we take an objective look at dramatic change, and as two transgender women, we know a thing or two about that. Our guest for this week's show is Tiffany Starpley. As you are no doubt aware, Tiffany is the wife of Rick Starpley, who appeared in episode five of Transformation Thursday. We're going to be speaking to Tiffany about how her life has changed by being married to a Transformation hey, Thursday hey, guest. Hey, hey, Betty. What? Uh, we're talking to Tiffany about her life changing and her life affirming relationship with her stage four cancer, how she literally danced through treatment, and then how she dealt with the loss of purpose when she was pronounced cancer free. Really? I'm not sure that's a better topic, but if you think so, I guess we'll go with it. And you're impossible sometimes. And the rest of the time, I'm merely improbable. And we'll be right back after the music swell and fade out. Let's talk about change, Amy. Okay, let me see. It looks like I've got three quarters, a nickel, a Canadian loonie, and a few British tenors from when I was in London, because I'm an international comedian. No, not that change. Change is in transformation. The topic of Transformation Thursday. Oh, yeah, that. Well, we're doing this podcast to highlight how much things change and how quickly they do it in society today. Everything changes, and change isn't good or bad. It just is. The more we realize that change is just the natural progression of things, the better off we'll be. Now, let's talk about change. Didn't we just do that? No, no, not the last one. The first one. The coins. Money. About how people can give us some of theirs so that we can continue talking about ours. Are you just trying to get people to go to our Patreon page to support this podcast so that we can continue our exploration of what it means to live in a rapidly changing world? Because although this is a labor of love we do have expenses and by going to transformationthursday.com they can help ensure that we can continue to be bringing this fun and insightful commentary on the world today plus get exclusive patrons only content um if i say yes can we get on to our next segment oh god i hope so Okay then, transformationthursday.com. Also, can you break a 20 for me? Sure, I can get that to you in euros. Okay, now you're just showing off. I love what cancer has brought to my life. I'm stronger, I'm bolder, I'm more grateful, I'm more present. I strive to be in an even better version of myself. Is that giving up? No way. I'm stepping up. I want the very best life has to offer. I want to suck the marrow out of life. And if that marrow happens to be riddled with cancer cells, so be it. I'm going with it. I'm not fighting it. That was a clip from a 2015 TEDx Rochester talk called Why Fighting Cancer May Not Be the Answer, presented by, and I quote, producer, director, writer, survivor of cancer, depression, anxiety, and divorce, mother of small fur being, sister, and friend to many, and proud wife of Rick Starpley, our guest, Tiffany Starpley. Tiffany, welcome to Transformation Thursday. Hello. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for being here. <laughs> we enjoy being had. 
Now, taken out of oh. context. <laughs> oh, wow. You speak for yourself, ma'am. <laughs> so taken out of context of that TED Talk as it was, that clip I played feels really counterintuitive to the conversations we have about cancer. And that's really the point here. You, more than anyone that I've ever met, really explored the gifts you received from a t stage four cancer diagnosis. But before we go too far into this, let's do a bit of backstory. This diagnosis really came out of the blue for you. Yeah, I was about 37. Um and I, uh, I was experiencing um, some blood in my stools. I'll be very graphic here, just so I think it's very important that uh, people talk about what they're going through. Mm -hmm. um, it was one of those things where it was like just so embarrassing. I, I, would, I, I actually didn't want to talk to my own doctor about it. I had an actual checkup. And I and actually went through an entire checkup, did not talk to him about it, left, experienced it again, freaked out, called him a week later. I was like, I got to get back in and talk to you. And I'm like, can you check this out? And he had me go and get a colonoscopy. Mm -hmm. And that is where they found uh, a tumor. And very quickly just went through all the motions, got you know lots of scans, and had to have um, surgery, chemotherapy. It was stage four colon cancer. So it was just completely out of the blue and shocking because it's stage four colon cancer, not something that normally happens to somebody under 50. Yeah. Um, it, it's actually starting to happen more and more. And it's one of the, you know, now, I mean, we're all used to like, when you're 50, you go and get your colonoscopy, but they're starting to push that back now because there are more and more incidences of, of young people getting colon cancer. And your, your original inclination, just like you were with not talking to the doctor about this, was to not talk about this to anybody, but your husband kind of blew you in on that. Yeah, he totally did. So, yeah, so when I first heard about this, I actually got the... Um, you know, the doctor, I was coming out of the colonoscopy, I was told, oh, there's a tumor in your colon. And I was like, well, that means I have cancer, doesn't it? So I, I call my husband um, from the bed where I, you know, I was recovering from the colonoscopy. And, you know, I told him the bit, he was at work. And he was like, I'll meet you home, hang up the phone. Within minutes, I call him back like, Hey, so by the way, can you not tell anyone? Because that's my that was my instinct, mm -hmm. as it is for a lot of people. Let's keep this quiet. I don't want to bother people. I don't want to trouble them. I don't want to worry them. Right. I'll just get through this on my own. It's all going to be good. And my husband goes, well, too late. I already told everybody here at work. And we work with a lot of the same people. Right. And it's a very small community we work in. So I was like, well... That's done. Yeah, Rick's, Rick, Rick is a legendary blabbermouth. <laughs> so, so now you're you're faced not only with cancer, but like that you you were like you were like thrown into the deep end of this. Where totally. what are you going to do now? You not only do people know that you have blood in your stool, but <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, I want to go back to something though, real quick before that is, but doctors and medical professionals are really, there's some stuff they can observe, but there's also some stuff that they are totally 100% reliant upon you. So how, yeah, how, what's going through your head where you're like, no, I can't say this even to your own doctor who's there to help you? Well, it's, I mean, it's so, it feels so embarrassing to show, you know, to want to, I have to like, it's like we're talking, you have to show your rear end to your, you know, your doctor who's kind of like your dad. You know what I mean? Like, this was seriously, he was like my cute little Indian dad. Right. And I was just like, I can't, I, uh, I, get, I guess we're going to do this now. All right, fine. You know, it was really, and it is, you just have to like, for me, it was the, the fear of not knowing, the mm -hmm. pain of not knowing was greater 
than the embarrassment of what I had to go through, right? Right. So that trumped it. I'm grateful that it did. Right. But for a lot of people, absolutely, they're going to, oh, no, it's just hemorrhoids. Oh, I'll see if I'll wait a little longer. Oh, yeah, it'll probably go away. Oh, it went away? Okay, great. You know what I mean? And that, right. for me, it was coming and going. It, it's just like your brain, you want to do everything you can to, like, try to avoid discomfort, and, you know, uncomfortable situations, right? Right. So that's, you just got to so, pass so, that. So the discomfort of other people talking about your cancer was greater than the actual diagnosis of cancer itself for you? Well, the initial, you know, I, yeah. I, I think that was the initial instinct. Right. Right. And so that's where I am very similar to a lot of people because I understood it almost immediately. Let's not talk about this. Right. Let's not even go there. Let's just keep this between ourselves. And once that was taken away from me, I was just like, well, well, uh, let's just go for it. Yeah. You know, let's just talk about it to everybody. And it's really... I went the full opposite way. Right, yeah. yeah. You, not only did you do that, but you started dancing about it. Yeah, and, well, yeah, well, exactly. What, what came first, the, decide, the decision to be out there about it, or the decision, because uh, you talk about this in your TED Talk, uh, the decision to, as you said, not fight it. Yeah, okay, so so the, the night, not fighting part really did come first. So, the, so we did, I, I got past the not wanting to talk about it thing. Mm -hmm. And then very quickly... You know, you're when you have cancer, you're immediately bombarded with all of the, you know, the verbiage, the typical discussion behind, you know, we're going to fight this. We're going to get behind, you know, you're going to beat it. We're in a war against cancer. We're right. gonna, yeah, we're on our team. It's very it's a, it's a, it's a lot of war um, right. visualization and, and uh, yeah, it's a verbiage. competition. If nothing, even if it's not a war, it's a competition. Oh, totally. It's you against it. Right. You against it. And it's somebody's going to be somebody's going to win. Right. There's always mm -hmm. a winner. And right. then, therefore, if there's a winner, there's also a loser. You right. know, and that I every time someone would say it, it would hit me deep in my stomach. And it still does to this day. Just didn't sit right with me. It mm -hmm. felt just uncomfortable, wrong, not right. It just didn't feel like the right language to use. It just so I just I I just started to say, you know what? Let's just not use that th that those words. Let's just right. use something. Let's just get beyond this. Let's like let's use softer language. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, and I think you also before that the suffer in silence thing is what comes into mind too. That our our society does not want to suffer so much, so we hide that. And so a lot of that, so by Rick taking that away from you, you were forced out in out of the closet almost. Yeah, I'm Ching. Yeah, but you you were forced out by Rick, but it ended up being such a blessing for you because you're able to be so so public. Yeah, well, you know, and I did have the choice. I mean, once I'm I'm you know not once it's public, I could have been more insular. Mm -hmm. I could have said. You know, all right, yeah, this is going on, and I try. I would change. The, I could change the conversation. I would turn into something else. So, how's your day? You know, I, I, I did have those options, but I instead went all the way the other side, all the way the other way, which was, yeah, let's talk about this. And if somebody said, like, hey, how's you, how you doing? It was, yeah, well, I have I cancer, have cancer and... and here's the latest. You know, and right. it was, and and then also it was starting a blog. And starting to talk about it in very graphic detail about what I was going through, you know, and it was just like, well, I don't have anything to hide here. And I don't want anyone to feel like they can't talk to me about it. I want to put it out there. I want I want my experiences to help other people. Right. right? I don't want them to be able to understand it, learn from it, it destigmatize it a little bit. 
you know, and it was a, it was very cathartic for me. And what was the reaction of people to this? Oh, people were amazing. People were amazing. And you know what's really cool about when you share any struggle that you're going through, other people open up about theirs. And you feel less, like, alone. And, you know, I know you could, somebody, it, it, there are a lot of thoughts of, like, well, my, my um, issues I'm going through are harder than yours, so why would you bring up yours? It doesn't matter. Everybody's got their own stuff, right? And it just feels really, um, it's moving to know that you're not alone in your struggles, no matter what they are. And I could see a lot of my parallels, like what I was going through with cancer had a lot of parallels to what somebody was going through with job loss, with divorce, with the death of a parent, with, you know, a dying loved one. Any, you know, any kind of like just intense something that's going on in their lives, you know, that it's, we're all going through similar things. Did you, did you ever get anybody in your life? Because I had this in my situation coming out where it wasn't so much friends, it was some family members, do you have to be so public? Oh, interesting. Where people were at, were questioning my own, um, yeah, you know, my way of, of they dealing were with something. Maybe. Yeah, I don't recall anybody saying that to me. I don't recall it. Okay. You know, I but wouldn't be surprised. Probably... I wouldn't be surprised if people thought it. But it, but there's also. I think there's probably a big difference between. For a lot of people, you know, fighting or not fighting, we hate that word, obviously, all of a sudden, but, you know, dealing with a cancer diagnosis mm -hmm. and what you go through in treatment versus, you know, what we go through in the gender world, because it might, you know, mine was, do you have to be so public? Do you have to post pictures about it? So there's also two different dynamics. Isn't there. that interesting, though? Cultural like, acceptance. Can, can I, it is a cultural acceptance thing. And that's where I will say having cancer is one of, I don't want to say it's an easy thing. It's not. But there's so much cultural support behind people going through cancer mm -hmm. because it's so you you know ubiquitous. There's it's so many people know it, right? Yep. That it's it's uh, that that's new though. I remember, uh -huh. uh, I remember cancer was something that you didn't talk about. Fair. One yep. when I when I when I was a when I was a, a very young child, we had a neighbor, and uh, I used to like playing with this neighbor. And uh, all of a sudden, the last time I saw him, he was being taken out of his house and his skin was blue. He had leukemia. Oh, no. And I never knew that. I never knew what happened to him. And my next door neighbor, the, the, the father there, was dying of cancer. And I never knew what was going on. It was not talked about. It was almost an embarrassment. Mm. And I think some of that, even, even though cancer is no longer... Uh, and no longer taboo to talk about that idea of actually talking about yourself and talking about the things that you're dealing with and the struggles that you're 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 dealing with. I think people are looking for that. That's that's kind of like that first person in and the second person in sort of sort of thing where I'm making it safe, or in your case, you're making it safe to talk about the hard things. And there are so many people who don't feel that safety. So you're willingness oh, yeah. to go out there and say things are not you know uh, uh, my, my friend mike always used to say people oftentimes you know if you ask me how are you doing you better wait a while because i will tell you and most people just say how are you to keep goodbye from bumping into hello yeah and they don't really how are you great okay yeah. we'll see you moving on yeah fine. moving on i'm mm -hmm. fine fine yes that's the word fine fine, fine. Yeah. fine. And yeah. I do, I've done that plenty. I've yeah. done that plenty. Fucked up, insecure, neurotic, and exhausted. Ooh, yeah. Fine. <laughs> oh, no, there's our first F-bomb There's tonight. the F-bomb. <laughs> but, 
Put another quarter in the F-bomb jar. Oh, my God. No, but it, I will say, um, isn't it interesting, though, that um, people will do what and say whatever they feel like to not feel discomfort themselves? So part of the, pe the people that are saying, oh, let's, why, why are you talking about that? Do you need to be so graphic? I mean, they're just, they're, they're uncomfortable, right? Why do I have to live with their, yeah, that's their stuff. Right. Right. And this is like a whole new, like, like, like you're saying, Penny, it was like, you, we are moving into a new phase where people want to hear what other people are going through, you know, and the more of us that talk about it, the easier it is going to be to handle it. Right. Right. But I will say, um, I, there's a huge difference between me talking about my cancer, um, life versus mm -hmm. my life with depression. Right. Big difference. Oh, I right? can imagine. Right. Not as accepted, not as, you know, people are, they kind of like, they want to change the subject. One yeah. is, oh, at, wow, yes, my mother went through the same thing. The other is, a lot of people are like, they, they look at you with like deer in the headlights and mm -hmm. like hope that the conversation's going to be over. But there are about 50% of people will say, you too. Right. I'm going through the same thing. Yeah, well, we'll we're, we're going to move into depression. I had, hey, it's, Look well, forward to some depression in the next segment. So, but, yeah, but, no, we'll look, get into that. We'll but let's, let's that. back there. But one of the things that you talked about is the analysis in your, in your TED Talk, which is fantastic. And we'll post a link up to it because, you know, us TED Talk people have to hang together, you and me, yeah. Tiffany. Like, some people don't. I feel so outnumbered right now. <laughs> with yes, yes, the non-TED Talk section of the, uh, of, of the play. We just won't talk I about got, them. Bye. I got to go to the bathroom. No, you do not. You sit there. But... The, you know, the your TED Talk, you talk about the cancer in other people's lives, the things that are literally eating them up, whether or not it's mm -hmm. physical, whether or not it is financial, the financial worries, uh, and, and the idea that, you know, and the adversarial relationship that you have with this is also toxic because, as you said, it lowers your, it lowers your immunity. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was actually, like, there are studies about it. I mean, you, you, the... Negative language does bad things to the body. Words, even if you're thinking them, are they're going to affect you physically, right? Mm -hmm. So how do we counteract that? You know, why, why don't we just change our language? Why don't we use softer language? Why don't we find a language of love and acceptance and peace around something rather than war and battle and anger? Right. Yeah. Well, and I think you were also mentioning the cortisol and, you know, mm. the, the stress that that creates inside of your body just adds you know talk talk about i found that part of the ted talk amazingly interesting yeah no that was that's definitely um actually to be honest with you i've got to listen to my tech talk again because i know that i did do some research on it and and yes it was uh the the words you use and and if your body's in a state of fight or flight right it's kind of goes into panic mode it's not in its optimal state to heal it's not you know it, it when a body is relaxed and you know it's just like you know when somebody gets in i, I love the analogy if somebody gets in in a car accident um and they are aware and their body freezes up intent you know everybody's their pant they go into like tense their they tense their muscles more but more bones break but if they're relaxed they happen to be sleeping mm -hmm. oftentimes nothing happens yeah. isn't that interesting because yeah. your body is just like relaxed ready for anything able to bounce back right it's wild right I exactly mean, it's, it's a powerful thing 
And then there's that there's that freeze instinct that you get if there's if you know they talk about fight fight or flight a lot of times it is freeze, mm -hmm. and that's not not oftentimes is the worst possible thing. I was hit by a Mercedes Benz in in eleventh grade. Okay. No I'm not. Yeah, I was I was running. It, it was, and and it, this is a perfect example of this. I was running after a frisbee, and I was my I, my. I ran up to it and my hand was around it. And I was about, I was running about three quarter speed and I was about to close my fingers down when all of a sudden the Frisbee accelerated. <laughs> and that was my perspective oh, no. is the Frisbee because I was looking right at it. And all of a sudden Whoa. it just shot off like a spaceship. And I thought that's not supposed to happen. Wow. And, and then I noticed that my glasses had left my face and the lenses had left the frames of the glasses, like one of those exploded views. It took you slow motion. And I was like, huh, isn't that the darndest thing? And that's when I saw the face of the guy driving the car. <gasps> no. And I was so loose that I just rolled over the Mercedes and I and I got up and I was I was I was I was apologizing to the car. Because it, oh, but but you're right. There, there's that, there's that idea of if you it's are wild. just, you know, if you if you if you relax and you're loose. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing you can do about it anyway. There was nothing that you could do. No amount of jaw clenching and and anger and and angst about your cancer was going to do one thing mm -hmm. to the cancer, mm -mm. but it could make your life worse. And you chose not to. Yeah, my life worse and the experience worse. You know, for me, it was about, you know, I'm going to go through this. I'm going to make the best of it. I'm going to have yeah. fun with this. You know, and and it helps that I kind of like really I like weird gross medical things so i was yeah. fascinated by the process i was like ooh, you know and i had whatever surgery i'm like ooh, can you show me pictures of the inside of my body because that's you, really cool i got like pictures of it glossies it's really cool do you, do you have a do you have a picture of the of the actual cancer the i actual do mass? oh totally do you, yeah do you, have, do, you have a, do you have it like framed on the mantelpiece oh, i don't uh, it's somewhere in a folder somewhere they wouldn't let me take it home either. i did ask that too i'm like Aww. it's my body can i take <laughs> i created that yeah. can i take it home with it nope you can't sorry well they have to send for testing and everything but it was yeah it was interesting i wanted to see what it looked like it's fascinating yeah but in, so going back to the cortisol thing and the gosh i know i've asked for body parts before too and they don't they don't they, they don't, don't like they don't, don't like, like to give like, you these no. things i'm like i want part of that back that my back that was broken oh. but but the interesting thing is like we were talking before we started recording tonight that i had a job situation years ago where I was laid off and somebody said to me, you know, hey, I think you might have a case here for, you know, wrongful termination. And, you know, I could have fought it and I may have won some money down the road. But at the same time, you know, I just don't want to go through my life always looking back, replaying those episodes in my life. And, and I just found it so much healthier to move forward. Isn't that nicer? It, it is nicer. It is nicer. It's like, a, like, look, you do like a little risk benefit analysis, you know, it's just, is this going to give me more, you know, which, which, which avenue here is going to give me a better life? And, and oh, I, yeah. I think that, I think you probably made the right call. Yeah. And I had a lawyer friend of mine at the time and he looked at me and he's like, you know, if you're already thinking you don't want to go through this, don't go through it mm. because you're going to relive this multiple times as you go through deposition if it ever gets to trial whatever yep. it is statements yep. it's it's just a, it's just a, don't do it and so a lot of people thought i was crazy but at the same time 
I think I'm pretty sane now. No, I think you made the right call. Absolutely. And you made the right call, too. I mean, you you actually got a lot of notoriety about this. The cancer dancer? <laughs> yeah. The can- you are such an interesting dancer. <laughs> Thank you. My, my, I appreciate that. Thank you. My, my favorite <laughs> one is the, 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 the three shot where it looks like you are at the launching pad for like a javelin or a, or a, or a, like on a, on a, on a, or a, or a, pit, or a pitcher's mound or something like that. And you're doing all of a sudden your legs just start going left and right. It was like and a Backstreet Boys move. It was, it was more like Popeye like the Sailor than it was Backstreet Boys. I'm all sorry. Right, fine. Was I was a, trying. But you were so joyful with all of that. And, and some of the images you were sitting there, we'll, we'll put, we'll put a link up for this also. You were sitting there with, 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 with tubes and needles in your arms and a bed and you're still dancing in the bed totally. and one of them you're just like sitting there and you and you're not you're not into it <laughs> and you're not into it and you're not into it and i i could just hear your husband going come on dance yeah exactly so you know okay so this that was born out of a, a need for me to shift my mental energy Mm-hmm. So and I'm not saying I'm a perfect person. I, I I didn't go through this and I was like all like happy, cheery, you know, rosy the whole time. Mm-hmm. I would actually go into, you know, I'd start to like backslide, you know, and I'd start to feel dark, et, et cetera. And, and, and I said to, to my husband, Rick, I said, you know, okay, we're going to turn this around and I'll tell you how you're going to turn this around. Uh, you got to force me to dance and you're going to record it because then I have to commit to the dancing. Mm-hmm. And, and he was like, all right, like, you know, I'll do whatever. And um, the, like one of the first times, you know, like I was like, we were driving in the car and, and um, just down the road from our, my house, we're on our way to see some family. And I was just getting mopey and he was, he pulled the car over. He's like, get out and dance. I'm like, but it's raining out. And he said, no, just you, you said you wanted to get out and dance. So I did. And I mean, and immediately you can't help but laugh at yourself. It's mm-hmm. especially if you're just being goofy and also in public places too, right? right? Where people are going to be watching you. So it was just my way of um, just breaking that mental state where you're just going to backsliding and, um, you know, just keep moving forward. Was there music playing when you were dancing? Not always. No, no, usually not. Right. It was just me doing it. Sometimes, you know what? Sometimes he did put on. We did like play something once in a while, but but not always. Not always. mostly. It was just you dancing to to nothing to, to my nothing. head to, in my brain. I do that at home actually. I do it just to bug my husband once in a while. Like I'll just do random dances in the morning, mm-hmm. just to um, frustrate him. Uh, like, is like is, is it successful? Crap. He, yeah. He gets frustrated with it, I think. Right. <laughs> I do it to make him laugh. Right. And I do it works. to get a rise out of him, yeah. And, and I th- there's one other question. We're going to wrap it up here. But there is one quick question that I want to ask you because it's something that's been bothering me. Why is your last name spelled wrong? You mean Starpoli? It's Starpoli. If it's listed Staropoli, why, why do you call it well, Starpoli? Okay, so that's that's Rick. That's his family. You can have it out with them. But this, it's all comes, I got to tell you, his aunt pronounces it Staropoli. Staropoli. Yeah. Clarissa does too. Isn't that interesting? So it just depends on, and there are other people in the family. Some people in the family dropped the O. Mm-hmm. They right, like, so like, Star like, your, like yeah, like your husband. So it doesn't have. And the so we is, just dropped the O. Like so the O is silent. But it, it, it sounds like a great interstellar board game. Staropoly. <laughs> <It does. laughs> Do not pass Alpha Centauri. <laughs> 
Do not collect 200 why astronomical you units. I made that yet. I don't oh, know. That's a good one. And more importantly, why did I work with Rick for probably 20 years calling him Rick Staropoli and he never once corrected uh, me? We all, you know, it's fine. It's just we, fun. It happens. We just, you know, we let it happen. Right. Well, we're going to take a really <laughs> quick break here uh, and reset. And when we come back, we're going to go past the cancer and talk about the next phase in your life, what happened afterwards. And the way you dealt with it may surprise you. <laughs> right, That's called a tease in the business, in case you're wondering. <laughs> this is Transformation Thursday. If you'd like to support Transformation Thursday, you can do so in the following ways. On Facebook, like the Transformation Thursday podcast. To support us financially, you can do so by going to our Patreon page by typing www.transformationthursday.com into your browser of choice. On Spotify, Google Podcasts, and or Apple Podcasts, please subscribe to Transformation Thursday. And on Apple Podcasts, please give us a five-star rating and write us a short review. It's free, and it really helps to get Transformation Thursday out to a broader audience. Finally, Transformation Thursday is copyrighted material, all rights reserved, 2019. When I'm up, I can't get down. Can't get down, can't get level. When I'm up, I can't get down. Get my feet back on the ground. When I'm up, I can't get down. Can't get down, can't get level. When I'm up, I can't get down. That's music from the Canadian folk rock band Great Big C. When I Get Up, I Can't Get Down was the music playing underneath the cancer dancing video of our guest Tiffany Starpoli. The video went viral, being viewed thousands, tens of thousands of times. It's poignant and joyful and really shows that amazing attitude that helped you through the cancer. When did you actually choose that song for the video did you listen to that song was that a song that you guys knew before this yeah sure so yeah um, rick's family were, were all like really into great big c so we had seen them a number of times we loved all their music it's just some it's music that we play at family gatherings and um and that was one that was the song that the editors chose the editor who put this that video together chose with rick mm -hmm. to you know because it's it's perfect it's ideal right it's yeah. the the message is fabulous so so that's that we just put it up there without really asking their permission. Mm -hmm. And the um, the wife of one of the lead singers found it and showed her husband. And then they, they I can't remember how it went down, but I think she, she sent me a Facebook message and I got invited to, you know, we were going to go see them in concert and I got invited to meet them wow. be, before the show. And it was just, we got to go on their tour bus and it was so sweet. I mean, they were just lovely humans just so wonderful it was just such a joy and i got in that that show is in uh and they and they're from newfoundland they're from newfoundland right and um they're very well known um in canada and definitely a lot of people in this area know know of them and they've played here quite a bit um they're just they're incredibly talented they're actually broken up now so uh. a lot of they've gone on you know for so, solo careers um, but uh, it's worth you checking that band out. They're just wonderful people. Um, yeah, yeah. So I got I got a chance to see um, their show. Got to meet them, and for that song, they pulled me up on stage and let you and, dance. And let me dance. Oh my oh, gosh! And I got to sing with them. Is there, is there a video so cool. of that? I want that video. 
There is somewhere. I, I don't think we put it on YouTube though. Uh, we have it. Somebody, you know, somebody in our family recorded that's, that's it. That's gotta yeah, be yeah, amazing. Yeah. Oh, it was really sweet. And so you went up there. Was this before or after you were uh, pronounced cancer-free that you went up there? My goodness, that's a great question. I think it was after. Yeah, because that video was posted in August. It would have been. It would have been. You know what? It would probably. I think it was while I was going through um, my last few rounds of chemotherapy, if mm-hmm. not like the very tail end. Because what I, I ended up doing, I ended up doing um, a surgery on my colon, and then chemo, and then a surgery on my liver because it had spread to my liver, and then mm. I, and then more chemo. So I think it was in that those last few weeks of chemo that the, I was dancing. Kind of like the rhythm. mopping up duty of the whole affair. Oh yeah, the can the the chemo comes through and does all the cleanup. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, totally. Right. Yeah, you want it kicked out of there. Yeah, and you're also, you know, this is kind of like geek time for me. Your CBC story was posted on June 26, 2014. So, okay, that's yes. that's pretty cool. That is cool. Okay, so there it is. So then I, uh, my husband and I visited Newfoundland in June of 2014 after I was cancer free. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, the CBC interviewed me. <laughs> I was there, and they had a camera crew following me around. It was just charming. Yeah, it really was. So well, much. you make it in Newfoundland. You make it in I Labrador. Made, yeah. oh. You make it up there. I've made it. But yeah. the, what I don't think a lot of Americans realize. <laughs> Newfoundland famous. is. I, am I think you make it a chief a teacher that famous. says Newfoundland yeah. famous. Yeah. But I don't think people realize, like, from our part of the world, how far East Newfoundland is. I mean, it's not an easy place to get to from here. It's the easternmost point of North America. And that also St. John's, that same area, the Maritimes. Mm-hmm. That, like, there's an actual half-hour time zone exactly. change. Just where, for them. Just for them. It's awesome. So that's all. That all that happened. All this fantastic stuff happened, and and your cancer went away, and so your life was just fantastic after sure, that. Sure. No. Mm-mm, no. Exactly. So, <laughs> so. Oddly, oddly enough, oddly enough um, as joyful and as exuberant and as exciting as cancer was, <laughs> you know, you are lifted so high in the air by every, especially when you talk about it. You have everybody coming out of the woodwork to tell you how great you are and how wonderful you are and how grateful they are that you're in their life. And then you are declared cancer free and you are seeing your you first of all you get fewer scans and fewer doctors visits so that starts to quiet down quiet down and then the people start going away and you are expected to just go back to work and go back to the way your life was before because there you're cured hey have fun enjoy and i it did not happen for me i plunged into a very deep depression and I liken it to like having a giant party or throwing a big wedding, you know, and that big buildup, you know, mm-hmm. and then it, it happens and it's done and then quiet, nothing. Right. And you just crash. And that's what happened to me. So, and I have to say, like, that was six years ago now. And ever since I've been on a bit of a roller coaster of depression up and down and up and down and up and down. And I've been on... You know, I was on antidepressants. You know, I had gone through depression prior to that, but I'd never experienced depression quite as deep as when I just post-cancer. So I've always been working with therapists. I, I changed, you know, I've changed therapists. I've, you know, got got some new ones. I actually see two um, on and off um, now. And um, so I, I never went off the meds, you know. I, I kind of tweaked them a little bit. But... It, it, it remains that I have a lot of emotions to deal with. Mm-hmm. So 
how am I dealing with those emotions now? And how was that compared to cancer? I will tell you, for me personally, dealing with depression and anxiety is way worse, way harder than dealing with cancer. Dealing with can cancer is, con for me, it was concrete. It was, you have a diagnosis. We have um, a game plan. This is what we're going to do. With 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 depression, it was it's like well we could try these things over here, and if that's not working, maybe you could do this over there, and you have to. And here here's the other thing: you have to want it hard, you know, to get through that depression. Cancer, you immediately go into survival mode. You immediately go into I'm going to be beyond this. I'm going to get beyond this. It's going to be good, right? You get the like you get this like energy to move and do what you need to do to get beyond it. Depression gets into your brain and tells you that you don't want to get better. You like being depressed. Yeah. You don't want to get out of bed. You don't want to see people. You just, just, why? Why do that? Why, you know? It's a liar. It's a, it's a, it's a really it's convincing liar. It's a really liar. convincing liar. And I, I will even tell you, this morning I experienced a backslide. You know, it will come on like, like just like that, like a light switch. Mm -hmm. Is that realizing what you're going to do tonight? No, <laughs> it was. I went, oh, I've got a show to be on tonight. No, it, it has nothing to it do with no, anything. Yeah, exactly. It's weird. It just happens. It just happens. You, have, it, it, you just, it, it is like a light switch where I'm just like, I'm up and I'm having my coffee and I'm reading um, the news. And then all of a sudden, boo, it's like you just, it's like, like somebody turned the switch off and I just go right down and... So, so how do I deal with it now? Let me keep talking. Uh huh. Because <laughs> yeah. I've got I've got some thoughts. Please, that's, that's why. Why, why, so why did you ask you? It's your so, episode. So they, okay, so I'll just keep talking. So this is what I've been dealing with and working with my therapist on now. So why is it that I'm dealing with cancer or with uh, depression any differently than I did with cancer? When I had cancer, I looked at that tumor. I talked to it. I said. Hey, so I understand you think you're doing something good in my body here. You're you're trying to like, you know, beat something up. I, you know, you're just trying to like protect my body in some way. You're not helping, you know. So if you could, it'd be nice if you took off. You know, it's fine. I appreciate the help, but thanks so much. You don't have to go home, but you, you can't stay, stay here. here. Exactly. exactly. You're done. You're an unwelcome guest. Thanks so much. You, you spent enough time here. Um why can't I do that with my depression, right? So what I actually took did this uh, this tactic today where I just kind of like went, just kind of sat there and I talked to it as if it's not me. It is a thing. It is a visitor. It is a, like, you know, for me, it's like a little child that wants attention and it's just like screaming inside, scared. It just doesn't want, you know, or it just, it wants to be comforted. And it doesn't want to go outside, you know, something like that. It, so I, I talk to it. What do you think you're doing? Are you, what do you need? What do you need right now? And, and not in, 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 not in an angry way, not, but compassionate way. And isn't that interesting? I'm also talking to myself at the same time, I'm talking to myself with compassion and love and caring and not trying to fight myself out of it, not trying to battle that depression, I'm trying to love myself through that depression. Right. Um, it helps. It helped today. You know, right. mm -hmm. it's, it's just an interesting, it's interesting that, um, it's been so, so difficult for me to wrap my head around that and for, for me to be able to 
go there, um, uh, you know, with my approach, depression versus cancer. And I come back to, you said something early about societal expectations and how we talk about these things. Yeah. And you said something kind of flippant, but it's so true. It's like you beat cancer, everything should go back to normal. Mm. And what, and we don't, what is normal for each of us is so different. But you also say, talk about going to work. And in our culture, we put so much emphasis on work equating value Mm -hmm. of your life. And so the depression messes with that notion. If you can't overcome it, you can't go to work. You can't do the things you normally do. And so do you feel that pressure as well? I mean, there's a lot of people who are, you know, if they're working, you know, two, three jobs to make ends meet in today's world and they're fighting depression, well, there's real consequences to that. Yeah, no, it is. And it's, it's just, it's almost, it sounds almost impossible to wrap your head around. For me, it was um, coming out of, of cancer for me, not only was it um, just plunged into depression, like because of the uh, intense silence around me, but also here I am, now I'm going to go to work, you know, no different than it was before. Work just seemed really pointless. Mm -hmm. Like, what is the point of all of this? There's not, there's not, this, this isn't doing anything for the, the world. What, you know, should I change careers? Should I do something else? The other part of it to me, it was a little bit of the survivor's guilt, you know, uh, why me? Why? 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 I'm stage four cancer. I wasn't supposed to live past five years. Why me? If if I'm here, shouldn't I be doing something more important? Shouldn't I be doing something that will benefit others? Shouldn't there be a bigger purpose, a bigger thing? Right. And and how much pressure are you going to put on somebody? Right. Right. So it just kind of compounded one thing after another after another. And you're right. Like, what is normal? Like, why can't like life just be easy no matter what you're doing and where you are accept it and love it for where it is but for me i was putting this intense pressure on myself to deliver and you again uh allevi- alleviated some of that pressure by talking about it yeah oh yeah and how you you I, I'm, this is a leading question i already know the answer because we kind of tried, we uh, kind of addressed it the last thing but how was that how how were people how did people react to that you talking about depression I remember the first time I actually publicly talked about my depression was at a party, you know, and I was just like mopey in the corner party, you know, mm-hmm. and I was, I'm pleasant enough, right? <laughs> you know, I wasn't like a dour, but it was, it was just like, you know, when you're just having, you're going through the motions of having a conversation. And I remember having a conversation with one person and I just, it just, I was like, he was like, Hey, so what's going on? I'm like, I'll be real, real honest. I've been really struggling right now with this depression. And he was like, oh, really? Tell me about that. And I told him. And he said, oh, that's interesting because I've been through the same thing. And here's what I've done. I don't know if it'll help you, but if I could offer, this is what I've done that's helped me. Mm-hmm. And I have to say this particular guy I look up to, I look at as someone who's very successful and secure and you know impressive. And I was like, you too? In my head, like, oh, oh my God, really? Um, it is eye-opening when you start telling people about what you go through, how many people are going through something similar, right? And you don't feel like such a crazy person. You don't feel alone. It's like we're all doing, we're all doing what we need to do just to get through life. And uh, it's nice. It's nice to know. It's like you have other people that you can lean on. So that's another thing for me is like when you're going through depression, talk to people. 
I don't, I don't care if it's texting or emailing or calling or just saying, hey, can I come over or can you come over here or get into a coffee shop and just having a conversation with somebody over the counter, sharing a smile with somebody. It changes everything, changes everything. Just get out of the house, get out of yourself, get out of your head, you know? Yeah. I had a friend who who talked about it and would, would say like what depression, this is where he, who's one that said depression is a liar. Mm -hmm. And it'll say that you, you don't want to stand up because standing up will be worse than lying in bed mm -hmm. uh, until you stand up. And then depression says, yeah, but you can't walk to the door because there's no reason to walk to the door. And so it is a, it is a, it is a, a lot of times, especially for me. And I have, uh, I, I occasionally have these bouts of dysphoria that uh, that they're very much like depression, mm -hmm. and they tell me they tell me untrue things about me, and it's it's just very hard to do that. But you're right; the more you do that, the more you train yourself to recognize when you're lying to yourself. Absolutely. Yep. And the, don't feed into it. The easier it becomes to, yep. to to move forward in this. Yep. And then, so you talked about the friends that you know, the one friend that supported you. Did you have anybody just look at you straight forward and say? You overcame this. You have this great life with with Rick. You know, just pick yourself up by the bootstraps. And did you just want to strangle that person? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I can't think of any examples of that. But uh, no, I'm I'm sure there were some. Uh, you know, I have to say, most people in my life are just very patient with me and very loving and very kind. And but I, you do get a sense that there are some people who are like seriously, like you do have a good life. You know, it's, I've had that conversation with my husband. I will say that, you know, where he's just like, can you look at the things you do have? Do you th look at what? The gratitude list. Look, yeah. Do you, have you like looked at your gratitude list lately? And it's when you're going through it, you kind of just want, you don't want, you don't. Like fuck a bunch of gratitude. Exa exactly. You, you want somebody to just hear you. You right. just want validation that your feelings are real mm -hmm. and that they're, that they're, you know, just, just, just accept them and just say, yep, no, that's hard. That must be hard. So that so I would have a lot of conversations with Rick about that. I said, I just need you to just let me say these things. And it's going to sound real crazy. The stuff that's going to come out of my mouth is crazy. It's nutty time. But you just got to, like, listen and just love me through it. If you could just love me through it without trying to fix me, without trying to correct me, without trying to make it better, wow, that would be amazing. But the interesting thing about that with a spouse or somebody in the house with you, you know, we love the people that we are so close to and we want to be able to offer that fixing. Of course we do. Of course we do. And, it, and it's just so hard to let somebody to give them the space to go through that and just listen without thinking about a reply and fixing the situation. That is just so counterintuitive, yes. you know. In a marriage. I know it is, isn't it? Because we're supposed to be able to, we want to be able to help each other, right? That's why we're there. Yeah. And we're, and very often we're codependent people, right? That we are just like, I, I, I have to fix you. You know, I have to make it better. I have to make it better. And that's like, you know, when it comes to somebody going through this, it's like, they just want to be validated. They just want to, they don't, they just want to be able to say what they want to say. And, and you for just, just to hug them and love them through it. And, um. And yeah, yeah, we had to get to that point. And, and yeah, he's been really great. He's been really, it's been hard, but he's been really great. What are some of the tips and techniques you might be able to tell people for who are having trouble with self-advocation, which is what all this stuff is? 
is like, I, I need to say this about myself and I need to do this about myself. You seem to do that quite well. I, I don't know. Is that a natural thing for you? Is that something that you mm -hmm. had to train yourself? You mean with one like with regard to talking to doctors or? Well, yeah. Well, the doctors obviously because you wouldn't you 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 wasted a doctor's appointment with cancer <laughs> without saying it. But or or is it just because you had that history and that practice of learning to advocate for yourself and change the dialogue about cancer that you're able to also yeah. change the dialogue about depression at least for you and and the people around you. Yeah, that's interesting. That's a great point. I I, I definitely come from a family where we've often talked about advocating, you know, both both my my family of origin and the family I married into. It's just like you definitely talk you 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 are your own best um you have the best knowledge of yourself, right? You have to you understand yourself the most. You understand the nuances of your bodies, if your your body if you're listening to it. And you also, you know, doctors god bless them i love them but they don't know everything they can't see everything they're not going to notice little tiny things you've got to give them that information and and when they do give you that information it's you are allowed to analyze it you are allowed to go and get a second opinion or a third opinion and bounce things off of people and ask questions always ask questions i just i'm a very curious person too i mean that i think that really helps or i just don't like I just, somebody doesn't, they give me some information. I don't just accept. I, I have to like, I want to analyze. I want to ask questions. I want to, I want to look things up myself. And I know a lot of medical people go, Oh God, it's now that she's going to pull up, you know, Wikipedia or whatever. What do we call, what do we pull up? Uh, WebMD. WebMD. Thank you very much. It's been a long time since I've WebMD'd something, but, um, but why is that a scary thing? Why, why would anybody want the, their patient to not want to understand what's going on in their body it's only it's this is a partnership mm -hmm. your medical professional and you it's a partnership it's not right. them telling you what to do it's a partnership let's talk about it yeah yeah i had an i had appendicitis in 2001 and i had to fight because of that, because i didn't have like the traditional i didn't have the nausea mm. or or the fever but i had everything else and i went on web WebMD, and you know it's like i i talk to my doctor about this on the phone and he goes, well, you don't have it, but, but it still feels like, well, what do you want to go to the emergency room? I'm like, yes. I said, well then go to the emergency room. Wow. And, I, and I'm there and I'm talking to them about this and they're going, but you don't have these things, don't have the nausea, and the, but it doesn't always present itself. So what do you want? An, a, a, an MRI? And I'm like, yes, yes, that would be nice. And some morphine too, if you have any. And so they do that like, all right. And they go in and they give me the, 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 the MRI and they put me back and they're like, la di da wheel me back. Yeah, we'll be back when we see the test. And then, like, two minutes later, they're running in. Unbelievable. With a they, they just grab me and drag me out of the thing and literally are running me to the operating room with a doctor trotting next to me explaining what's going on. Wow. How old were you? I was, I was, in, my, I was in my 40s. Wow. When this happened. But, yeah, it, it, even then, I was like, well, do you want it? Like, yes, I do. Yeah. So it's unbelievable. Yeah, they're and, not they're not perfect people. They're people. Yeah, they're humans. They're they make the mistakes. Best they can. They're doing the best they can. You know, it's and I'm glad they're there. But we yeah. sometimes we you know our own best. Yeah, we're our advocate. own best advocate. But also, I think you know, with a lot of us in our age group, you know, we're you and I are Gen Xers. Mm -hmm. I'm a boomer. Okay. Okay. And so our you know, but our parents are getting to an age too where. And I think a lot of this, we, we mentioned generations in our first segment, and I think this is very generational as well, because I know my parents are 70 this year, and they 
just from my experience and speaking with my brother, who's more firsthand with their medical situation, they just kind of take the word of the doctor and run with it. And, you know, and so it's very frustrating because, you know, you're like, okay, mom, did you ask this question? No. Did you look this up? No. Did you go for an opinion? No. The doctor just said this and we're going to go do it. I'm like, oh, yeah, I know. And And so, but there's also advocacy and learning, you know, since so many of us are going to be caretakers for older people, you know, how do you how do you advocate for other people who have their own preconceptions and the way they do things is so set as they get into that early, I don't want to say totally elderly, but, you know, into their 70s and 80s, you know, when you're being a caretaker. Yeah, well, let's talk about that now. That's a, a part that I've been thinking a lot about is like end of life care. And it's so important to have those conversations with your loved ones, you know, that are getting up there in age. It actually, it, they don't have to be getting older. We should be having this conversation with all of our loved ones. We don't know when any of us might become catastrophically ill and are not able to advocate for ourselves, right? So wouldn't it be nice that we, if we all had that conversation, said, you know, I... I would want this. I wouldn't want that. If I were to pass away, this is how I would like it to be dealt with. We should all be, it doesn't matter how old, I don't care if you're in your twenties, you should be having that conversation. And there's such a fear of death and dying in Mm -hmm. our culture. And again, now, now we're taking this to the next step. We've been talking a lot about, you know, mental illness and, and disease. Let's take it to the next step. Let's talk about death and dying. Why aren't we talking about this? So yeah. that you would feel free to talk on behalf of your parents on, in a way that they would be comfortable with, right? Because if you're, you know, determined to be their advocate, you should be able to advocate the way they would want, you know? Right? And if they won't tell you what they if want, they, and, yeah, or they won't even admit it to the, well, the, that they're dying. No, oh, that, and that, and and that, that's where I'm saying there's such a fear of that in our culture. There's this this sense that if you, you know, even if you see the writing on the wall, if you say the word dying or mm-hmm. death, yeah. it means that you've given up. Right. And it's, that's just a heartbreak to me. I've seen, I've seen so much pain, additional pain and suffering on both the dying person and the family that's left behind because they would not say the word death. They would not face the idea that they're actually going to be passing away so mm-hmm. that, you know, um, personal, uh, you know, you know, things that they needed to take care of in their lives, they weren't taken care of, right? Right. They didn't have passcodes. They didn't understand, you know, certain things about where money was, et cetera. You know, it's just, it's a bit chaotic. Wouldn't it be nice if you say, just in case, you don't even have to say, I'm dying, just in case. Right. Let's talk about this, just in case. Well, and I think on the medical side too, is the medical proxies. Yeah. Having those set up to talk through them. You know, I know my ex and I went through this a few years ago before I started coming out. You know, we walked through those situations, you know, you know, and it's, and it was kind of scary to do it because you are talking about your own mortality, but I sold life insurance for a long time. Oh, wow. Yeah. People die. Yes. Yes. You know, and so these are important conversations to have, but not only your medical proxy, but then also to have your will set up so you know what's going to happen. You know, one of the recent conversations, you know, let's bring this back to me because, you know, one of the things that I wanted to work that in so bad. I know. (laughs) Bring it. So, so one of the things that me was talking about with my ex was. I hate you. <laughs> well, you no, I don't. Okay. Me, no, it never works for me. It never does work for you. But 
so one of the things we were talking about is, especially since I've started transitioning, is, you know, if I were to die tonight leaving the studio, I want to be buried as Amy, mm. mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. as my, you know, former self, not as my sure. former self. And that was something for her, you know, when as we were getting walking through things, she's like, oh, I just would have probably done it the other way as a guy, because that was the majority of your life. And, mm. but I'm like, no, if I'm won't going to leave, I'm, I've made this transition. Now I want to be buried as Amy too. Of course. And yeah. so it's, these are important conversations to have. Huge and important conversations. Like I've had this conversation with my husband. He's like, I love his take on, uh, you know, I said, you know, you do, do you want a funeral? Like, you know, what kind yeah. of service do you want? He's like, he goes, how do you want to be buried? He's like, that's, up to you. I don't care. I'm dead. Right. Like, like I wouldn't have known that if I didn't have that conversation with him. I wouldn't have. <laughs> I just find that such a sweet, charming way of looking at it. But um, right. well, that's not how I feel. I've right. got definite ideas about how I want people to celebrate my death. Well, I, yeah, I'm that, yeah, I'm already, I would rather have them <laughs> celebrate my life. You know, the death, exactly. the, the death part, the death part exactly. is over. That's, I, you know, a, that's a good way. To I want to go to the doctor. I want to, like, I, I don't want to have uh you know, I don't want to have a funeral. I want my body to go to science. Mm, mm-hmm. uh, I don't want to have any sort of marker. I just want people to to have a nice party and, and talk about me. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I think that would be wonderful. Science. Yes. That's, that's what I want. I want science. Yeah. Me too. We were just talking about that. I want them to analyze my brain and say, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> How did this thing even work? It is just completely miswired. Yeah. Well, we're we're going to wrap it up here. I really want to thank you, Tiffany, for coming by and and talking about talking about the hard questions and hard stuff. Mm-hmm. It's something that we don't do as a society and you're living proof that by doing that, you can have a richer, more full, more enjoyable, more real life. Mm, thank you. Thank and, you for the opportunity. This has been great. And, 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 and uh, so we're going to wrap up now. We'll come back with a couple of quick closing thoughts and uh, we'll be back soon. This is Transformation Thursday. Welcome back to Transformation Thursday. I am Amy Stevens and my pronouns are she, her. And I'm Penny Sterling and my pronouns are she, her as well. Hey, Penny, remember last week we I about this time I made this brand new Facebook group? Oh, yeah, I remember that. We had so much fun figuring out what the heck we were going to talk about with it. Yeah, and remember we were saying there was like tumbleweeds and we were making all kinds of mm-hmm. like sound effects, like right. lasers, like pew, from pew, Star pew, Wars. Pew, yeah, and it wasn't always that way. No, always. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, so, but our group has exploded. We have nearly 100 members in it. Wow. So, yeah, so if you want to join us in our private group, you can just search for Transformation Thursday. You'll see our public Facebook page for Transformation Thursday podcast, but what you'll also see is Transformation Thursday group, and you just have to answer a few quick questions. And... Pretty much the the biggest question being, where is the fabulous Fetter building? That is one of the screening questions. It's absolutely, it's a good question. We're not. It, it, the fabulous Fetter building is like Lake Wobegon. It's only real unless you go to look for it. Exactly. Or at least for a place to park here. So, but not only can you find our Facebook group by searching for that on Facebook, by searching for Transformation Thursday, we now have Instagram and Twitter feeds. Wow. Wow. We are like social media mavens. Amy. I know. 
but we should probably tell the people how to find us on Insta and Twitter. Yeah, how do we find us on there? Because I'm not sure I know either. Well, we have the same handle on both, and both are at trans, T-R-A-N-S-T-H-U-R-S pod. Trans Thurs Pod. Wow. Because, yeah, I was kind of limited for space on Twitter, but I just wanted them to be simple on both of them. So Trans Thurs Pod mm-hmm. on Instagram and Twitter will get you to our accounts there. And if you're having a hard time understanding that, then just join our private group on Facebook and ask us, and we'll send you a link that way. Yeah, always. Well, that's it for the end of yet another really, really fascinating Transformation Thursday. We want to thank Tiffany Starpoli for spending some time with us. And I I don't know, which of the Starpoli podcasts did you like better, the, the Rick or the Tiffany? Because we've had them both on. I will tell you, and I said this to Tiffany before we started recording, is that my the episode we did with Rick really spoke to me. Um, there are a couple episodes, but that one, the Rick episode hasn't been downloaded as many times. However, for me, for pure content and hitting close to home, that's like one of my favorite episodes. And so if you haven't downloaded or you haven't listened to that episode, go back. It's episode number five with Rick Starpoli. 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 Star, it's, it's with Rick. Yeah. And... It's it's a fantastic, and so if you listen to episode 17, which we are doing right now, and went back and listened to episode 5, you can really see how the, Tiffany and Rick probably just make a fantastic couple at home. They are wonderful human beings, and the way she uh, dealt with her her cancer and the way she dealt with her depression and the openness that she has displayed with it is phenomenal, and I think it's a great lesson for everybody, just... Whatever you're going through, there are those among us who are going through it as well. And just by talking about it, you will oftentimes make yourself better by just by feeling better. Yeah. And I think that, you know, we and I think she hit on a couple of things. So I'll I'll hit them up real quick and we'll get we'll get done with this episode because. But for me, there's there are two things that I walk away from this episode. One is the way we talk about things. Um, or not talk or about not them. talk about things, because realistically, you know, what we're going through with gender transformation is a huge thing. And but pe- so many people are scared of it and don't want to talk about it. People don't want to talk about mental illness. And a lot of times jump or will lump transgender health care into mental health. Mm-hmm. And those are not. Those are some. Those are two exclusive things. Right, they're mutually exclusive. They're mutually. Yeah, they can be, but they, they, yeah. And so, sorry, but a lot of times they get overlapped and kind of lumped together, and they shouldn't be. Right. And so, but we need to be able to talk about these things. And with the, but finally, you know, finding meaning in life is so important. And I'm and I'm dealing with that personally right now, and I'm getting really close to making an announcement about that. And I think I'm going to do it here, in you know, pretty soon. So, wow. Yeah. Looking forward so, to that. Yeah. So, so um, maybe like next week, um, week? I, uh, I go back and forth because I have a process I need to go through and I want to make sure I get accepted and everything taken care of. So heck, right. I'll do it right now. Sure. Go um, for it. I'll, I'll spill the beans. So I, there's You'll a lot them of up too. Yeah. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not cleaning up after your mess. I, you know, I'm making a career change at this point in my life and I'm actually with me leaving the insurance industry 
I've actually decided that I'm going to go back to graduate school. So I started the application process for a master's of science degree in counseling at State University of New York, Brockport. So Congratulations, Amy. So hopefully I get accepted. Um, I hope so, too. Fingers crossed. And that'll be an interesting transformation right there. Yep. And I, that's something we'll be able to talk about in a future Transformation Thursday. But I see so much need in our community for, you know, a transgender counselor. So, you know, I, I think I can step in and fill a void here in our community. I hope so. Whatever happens, it's always fun working with you here, Amy. And thank you very much, everybody, for listening to us. So for this, that ends this week's episodes of Transformation Thursday. Have a great night, Amy.